Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all its being. I am your host, Evan Greenberg. Today with me, I have my main co-host, the King of Jordan, Sammy Alshawabke. Sammy, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Today, we are covering the NFC West, which will focus on the LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, and San Francisco 49ers. You have anything you want to talk about with this division before we get going? Um, other than the Rams' new logo, not much. They got they got a lot going here. Let's just let's just go on. <laughs> All right, we are going to start with those LA Rams. They have four picks in the str- first three rounds. None of them in the first round. Their picks are the fifty-second overall, the fifty-seventh overall, which is what they acquired from the Houston Texans in the Brandon Cooks trade the 84th overall pick, which is in the third round, and then a 104th overall, which is a compensatory pick. What do you have for needs? I have a few needs for them. The first one being uh, their offensive line. They need a new tackle as well as a guard as well. They, they need a new tackle, a new guard, a new edge as um, they didn't resign Clay Matthews, new linebacker, and a running back after they lost Todd Gurley to the Falcons. And they already were struggling with Gurley in the season last year anyway. So I think they were possibly looking at a potential replacement running back. Possibly deeper in the draft, but yeah. I have a few similar ones. I do have running back as well, although they did draft Daryl Henderson from Memphis in the third round last year. And they're hoping he can, him and uh, Malcolm Brown can take over the team. They probably will look for running back in that third or later round. Otherwise, I have left guard, like you said. I also have center. I don't really have tackle. But center is certainly a position that they want to fill right now. And then also linebacker, as you mentioned. And I thought they needed to add a guy next to Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. Yeah. I. They currently have... Who do they have next to Ramsey at the moment? Troy Hill, maybe? Yeah, they need help then. <laughs> I believe it's just Hill. If it's Hill on the other side of Ramsey, then yeah, they could use some yep, reinforcement back then. Yep, Troy Hill's their other guy. Yeah, they they need a second cornerback. Anyway, I do like Ramsey's though that great. they picked up. Um, I do like that they picked up uh, Michael Brockers though from Baltimore. So I really like him for their yeah, defense. Yeah, they had a couple of nice moves. They got Brockers. They got Leonard Floyd as a flyer guy who was a former top ten pick for Chicago. But you're just you need a little more. They. I think especially as we mentioned, that's why I didn't really have anything on the edge because I thought Bronker, if Brockers and then you have Donald, who's kind of like a do-everything guy, even though he's technically an interior guy, but they're probably going to play more 3-4 than 4-3, especially with Wade Phillips gone. Him at the helm. Yeah. My question for you is, this team won the Super Bowl, or not, didn't win the Super Bowl, they made the Super Bowl in 2018. Last year, they started out strong and then just really faltered. They had a couple injuries, but the team just wasn't in sync like it had been the previous year. A lot of their players seemed to step back and just do their salary cap situation of trying to go all in. They really, this offseason, had to make a couple casualties, like we mentioned with Gurley and Clay Matthews. Do you think the window is closed for them already in terms of being able to win a title in the next couple years? I don't think so. They still have Goff, who, despite... His showing in the Super Bowl, I still like him as a quarterback, as a franchise quarterback. And they still have a couple receivers. And with potentially 
if either of the running backs that we mentioned earlier works out that uh, McVay is able to maximize properly, I think offensively they should be okay as long as they just address the line. And the defense, well, they have one of the best defensive players in the entire league in Aaron Donald. And as I know that's not enough for, the, for a defense, but they're still a solid defense last season, and they were just miscued on a few plays that just changed some decisions and resulted in a few more losses than they had hoped for last season. Yeah, what worries me is, besides the fact that between Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, between those two in the next two years, they have over $41 million in dead cap, which is an insane number. Uh, Brandon Cooks is dead cap past Antonio Browns for the most for any player. And Todd Gurley, they let go several years early in his deal, which is a problem. The fact that they don't have a first-round pick this year, considering they traded this one for Jalen Ramsey in that 2018 season. And also the fact that I like Jared Goff. I was on recouped on the Jared Goff bandwagon before probably anybody else. I was watching in that 2018 season, the week one game against the Redskins, I believe. Yeah. And I was like, kind of almost in a humorous sense. I was like, this guy's elite in the Joe Flacco way. But he really just came back after that first terrible season with Jeff Fisher. They brought him McVay, and it really just seemed to work for him. The only issue is at this point, now he's the most expensive quarterback in the division, but he's probably the worst, considering you have Russell Wilson, who's arguably a top-five quarterback. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who just carried his team to the Super Bowl. And then you have Kyler Murray, who is the number one overall pick this past year, and probably... Even though last year he wasn't necessarily better, his ceiling is certainly higher than Goff seems to be at this point. And you have Murray with several years left on his rookie deal. I think with the Rams' formula is that they're heavily dying, living and dying on the trade at the moment. A lot of their talent, well, they're what... they're really, really trying to go in. F- that they're going for the win now, and that they're just going well, to absorb the, the debt later on once they've. In a few years, once this window has closed, I think their window is still open. Well, a lot of teams do that. That's something that the Saints and the Cowboys are known to do. They're just constantly pressing up against the salary cap and then hoping just to make just enough moves to stay within it year after year and just have enough space to be able to either re-sign a guy or trade for a guy. But the fact that they went so all in the past couple of years that they had to now they have so much dead cap as well. It's not even like they can trade for anybody to add now. And so they can't really sign anybody. So it's really just draft picks. But without draft capital, they don't really have that many opportunities to get top-tier players to fill their needs. And they have a few. They're not like one of those teams that's desperate all around the roster. They have enough, though, that they're probably not going to make them up in this draft. And then you have another year of just you're going to be keep losing guys because you can't resign them. You can't resign them. But I also wouldn't put it past them to make a couple more moves before – before and even during the draft as well. well. They can't make any moves in terms of player personnel considering of how little cap space they have. In the draft, they may do some things and try to either use one of those second-round picks, maybe that Texans pick, and trade down, or use maybe even their two second-round picks, kind of fork it up this year, and then try to get an extra first next year and try to really just attack next year's draft. But I guess we'll see. So who do you have in the second round? So for the 52nd pick, a couple guys that we've mentioned before, I went hard in the secondary for the 52nd. A couple guys I mentioned are Bryce Hall from Virginia, Noah Ingabino Jean from Auburn, Jalen Johnson from Utah, who he probably won't be around at this point. And I, him and Bryce Hall, I think, are on similar levels of talent. 
and then Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. With 57, I actually, when I was doing the research, I had done it mainly for the Texans, but a couple of the needs I saw still fit this team as well, considering that they some of the positions were similar. A couple of guys I mentioned potentially were Akeem Davis Gather, I think would be a good one for them from Appalachian State. He's a guy we mentioned in yesterday's episode. And then that defensive end, Josh Uche from Michigan. I agree with the linebackers and the edge positions, especially Uche. I think Uche would be a good fit with the Rams if he's if he's available. I know I mentioned him; he'd be gone at this point with a different team in a previous episode. But if he's available, I think the Rams could definitely use him the most. I do agree when it comes to looking at their backfield. I also had a few potential options this time for the Rams. I didn't have a set for sure guy. For the one that I did end up predicting, just for the sake of how my draft was going, my mock was I did go with Noah Igbinogine. Igbano, Igbano, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Igbinogine is how I've been pronouncing it. Igbanogani, I think is how you pronounce it. Igbagani. Yes, the who one of the guys that I mentioned with fifty-two. That's who you're talking about with the fifty-two yeah. pick. That that was who I put down from my mock draft. Him from linebacker from Auburn. Cornerback from Auburn. Is he not a linebacker? cornerback he's a cornerback why do i write written down linebacker okay noah igba nogany cornerback from auburn as well as um potentially aj terrell linebacker from clemson he's also a cornerback right that's a c that's a c on my notes we're cutting this out (laughs) as well as aj terrell cornerback from clemson i'm not sure if we've mentioned him in previous episodes but he's a good uh, fighting starting corner for any team, really. And now that it's just pretty much Jalen Ramsey in the backfield with Hill, they could use some help with Terrell. Yeah, I want to say I've seen Terrell as a guy going earlier than the 50s. That'd be my only concern with looking at him here. He would be a good pick for them. I think he would fit the team well. And we both seem to have a consensus that secondary is a need for them. And looking in the second round, this is where they're going to get one probably. If, I also I like look I said, at, it's... yeah, I'm looking at the secondary. I'm also looking at uh, a couple other potential players. Maybe these could be with the 57th pick if they're available. Um, Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State, if he's available. And uh, Jordan oh, Brooks okay. from Texas Tech. Although I think Brooks, might, I, I know I mentioned Brooks in a previous episode. I think I have him being taken earlier. But if he's available at this point too, between Gay and Brooks would be a good option for the Rams. Yeah. They probably would. I mean, I think, yeah, with the 57, if they just really fix that back to the defense, we said the back four could be a potential at either one, and probably should. If they want Cushenberry to fix up either the left guard or the center spot, he's a nice pick there. However, there's so many guys with the second round in the secondary, considering it's either that or wide receiver, but with trading Cooks and having Cooper Cup and Roger Robert Woods, they probably are fine with having two wide receivers and then sticking to uh, having Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby as their two tight ends and working with a two tight end, two wide receiver set. Well, another potential you could have in the backfield is uh, Damon Arnett from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He'd be a good pick at the spot. If he's, I think he I would think... be, I think he's a good pick around this time. He, I don't think he'd be picked before any of the names we've mentioned. No, he. When I I feel like where I've mentioned him in other spots was within the sixties and seventies. But if they feel like he's a guy that they can take here, it's it's all about preference. That's really what it comes. The truth of the matter is, 
a lot of these teams, we give our names, we look at all these mocks, we have our predictions, we look at big boards, but each team is going to have their own, and they're going to evaluate players differently than we are and the consensus, which leads to potential. We may see four other cornerbacks that are better than Damon Arnett. They might see Damon Arnett as better than all of them, and they might take Damon Arnett at 52 because they feel like he could be valued there. 52 or even 57. Like, it's just a matter of well, a few yeah, picks. That's what, that's but what I mean is. Yeah. But that's what I mean. They could value him higher than guys like Bryce Hall who we val- or Jalen Johnson, who we value much, or who we seem to value much higher. They could see it the other way. And for us, it's really just kind of trying to fit pegs in potential holes. But they may see different shapes to these players. And they may believe in whether it's a scheme issue or they just see something on their tape or their doctors see something that we haven't seen, you just really never know. But we, there definitely seems in those two picks in the 50s, secondary should be attacked, whether it's whichever guy they like. On to the third round? On to the third round. I'll go with my 84th overall pick. A couple guys that I mentioned, mainly tacking in, I solely mentioned the offensive line here. First guy, a guy you mentioned, I believe, Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette, can play guard or center, is probably more comfortable with guard. Another guy for guard would be Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, another guy that we've previously mentioned. And a guy I believe we have not mentioned yet, a center from Washington, Nick Harris. Any of them would just solidify that interior of the offensive line because I think they're okay. They lost their lines. Was it strong point? That was honestly one of the big things that they've lost in the last couple of years and a reason that they weren't feeling as well. But Whitworth is kind of in that He's not sure if he's coming back, but he he is coming back, right? He's coming back for one more year, Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. So they have him at left so. tackle. They have Rob Haverstein at right tackle. And then they like Austin Blythe at right guard. He's definitely has room for room, but that left guard spot with Austin Corbett, and they really don't have a center anymore because whoever they used to – I can't – I'm trying to blanking on who they used to have at center, but he was the guy that they, I believe, retired recently. And finding a replacement there – the center is, I think, probably the most underrated position in football in terms of just nobody really thinks about centers. You probably, most football fans couldn't name more than five centers in football. But just having that position there, and a guy who I like to talk about, even though he's probably one of the elite centers, is Alex Mack. How when he went from Cleveland to Atlanta, Atlanta immediately became a Super Bowl contender and made they made the Super Bowl. That was the year the 28th year to the Patriots but that was Alex Mack's first year with the team and he really just brought so much together because we talk about we talked about in our football episode how the quarterback controls so much but the offensive linemen also have their own kind of structure to do and the center can do a lot of that and can help out the quarterback as well having a center who knows the game is so important and can manipulate the little things to just give the team a current edge and Nick Harris, I think, is probably the best true center in this draft. You have guys like Cesar Ruiz or Cushenberry who could play center, but they're, they could play center or guard. But in terms of just pure centers, he's probably the best one. Although it's not like in the past where we've had centers like Billy Price, who is a first round guy, or a couple of other guys. So with the 84th pick as well, so I also, just to go off of you, I also focused on the offensive line, and I didn't look at center. I looked at the tackle position, and actually the person that I had is Nick Harris's teammate from Washington, um, Trey Adams. I don't know if we've mentioned him before. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think in a previous have. episode. I saw him around. But. I feel that he was a solid tackle that they can most likely be available around this around the 80s, 90s in the draft. Yeah, I see him going. I'm just looking at kind of my notes now. I have him on a team we're going to be talking about later, going a little later. But he is in this like 80s, 90s, probably range. And I, I don't know. Like with tackle, they need one for the future because Whitworth and Haversine are both in their 30s. And you want, if either one gets hurt, you're pretty low there. They have Bobby Evans, a washed up bangle at right tackle, and they have Chandler Brewer behind Andrew Whitworth, who I think is just solely a backup. They really, they need the depth, but I think they need more of that interior line currently to strengthen up. And then potentially next year, or you're doing in the later rounds this year and looking for a developmental guy. They could, in the third round, I guess you're at that point, but I like to try to fit those needs immediate needs first although that's kind of the difference of our philosophy with these picks and they also had another third round pick as well who do you have yep 104 a couple guys that i mentioned i have darnay holmes cornerback out of ucla and then a sang out of wake forest he's a cornerback if they, they even though we said they should take that guy with in the second round they probably should add another one in the third round one of these guys is not going to be as solid. They could either be your nickel guy or your third cornerback, depending on how you kind of want to fit your scheme. But even though you're typically a guy who likes to focus strongly on that secondary and adding more guys, where I usually will find with two of them, the Rams probably need a third guy. Their safety strength isn't great. It's not terrible. They have John Johnson, Taylor Rapp at strong safety, Nick Scott at free safety. They're both serviceable, but you probably want a third cornerback that can play around. You can play around with and just make that secondary closer to a strength and a weakness. I focused more on their linebacker core, um, as I felt that that was another one of the needs that they needed to address. And I went with uh, Anferni Jennings from Alabama, while not the. While not on the high first tier of linebackers that we've mentioned so far today, I've seen him fall in this range of the hundreds minimum. And yeah, he was, I saw him a little bit in places, but I haven't heard much from him considering I felt like a couple years ago in college, I heard about him a lot more, but then Alabama just had so much talent. He seemed to just kind of fall away and fall into place. They just cycle through NFL tier players after play, player after player on that team. It's it's ridiculous. Nick Saban, man. But Jennings, I think, would be a perfect fit with the Rams. Yeah, definitely. He has the talent and he just needs the, uh, the level. He needs to fit the scheme. And I think from what he gained from Alabama, ment- mentally, he can shine with McVeigh's and Wade Phillips. Well, Phillips is gone. That's the... What used to be of Wade Phillips. Brandon Staley's our new defensive coordinator. He's a 37... He's a new young guy, which would be interesting because McVay was kind of the young guy and they had Wade Phillips' as defensive coordinator to be the elder statesman and the veteran. So the Rams are really hoping that McVay took enough from him that he can be the true leader in the locker room, both schematically and vocally, to the point where they can hire more young guys to kind of lead the team as well. Because you expect now McVay's not going to hand off as much as he did with Wade Phillips, who had more years in the league than McVay had years alive once he, when he became head coach of the Rams. And had some amazing defenses to work with. 
Yeah, of course. He did great with them. He was great previously with the Denver Broncos. The Dallas Cowboys, he probably overachieved with before that. And even going back, he's been he's been in the league. He was in the league for 30-something years. He coached a lot of great defenses, as you said. I still am firm in my selection that Jennings would be a good pick for the scheme that McVay has defensively. Whether he gained, well, whatever knowledge he gained from Phillips or whatever Staley has, I think Jennings would be a good fit. Yeah, I agree that they need a linebacker. I, even though I listed it as a need, I didn't really address it. Although I, with 57, Davis Gaither could be a possibility there. But if they don't take him at 57, Jennings would be. He's a weird one because he's more of the outside linebacker, but he's not, he's not great at anything, I feel like, in the linebacker where he's not, he's not a super speedy guy. Doesn't have great agility side to side or up and down. He's not going to get to the quarterback a lot, but he's not a pass. Co- he's not the best at pass coverage. He's very physically talented, but he was raw, and I think that's probably why he's fallen into that late third, if not fourth round kind of spot. But yeah, with the right, really, you NFL coaches are going to look at his talent or his physical gifts, and they'll take a risk on him here. And the Rams would probably be wise to do that. Especially when they're looking at probably developing at least a few guys for the future. Definitely, like, be able to have him be more mature with his abilities. Yeah, with the third round, I think both of us focus more on developmental guys for the future. While the second round would be more guys in the present. You want to go to a team who's been in the present, kind of in a weird, successful rebuild, I would say, or retooling, the Seattle Seahawks who we talked about the Legion of Boom in our AFC West episode, how a lot of teams would want to kind of remake that. And although they lost it, they seem to just either keep enough of the pieces and then add enough positive young talent, which has kept them either in the, or kept them in the playoff picture pretty much every year this past decade. And they're hoping to do the same now. They have four picks in the first three rounds. They have their own pick, the 27th overall. They have the 59th overall pick. They have the 64th overall pick, also in the second round. And then they have the 101st pick, which is a compensatory pick in the third round. What do you have for needs? I have, surprisingly, a good number of needs for this team. This team, as amazing as they were consistently having Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll as their head coach, they have a lot of holes I have, they need help with their defensive ends, their D tackles, cornerbacks. They also, they were, I believe they finished 31st in the NFL last season in sacks. And I think the only team worse than them were the Dolphins. And the run defense needs a lot more work. They were getting, they allowed too many touchdowns. They were 30th in the league in run defense too, which their defense overall needs a huge overhaul with players to replace. And then offensively, um, another receiver for Russell Wilson to throw to, more reliable receiver that he can throw to. Uh, tackle, guards, all of them. There were too many times where he had to, Russell Wilson had to scramble too many times last season, which, even though it's Wilson and he has the magical abilities to make something out of it, you can't rely on that as your scheme too much. And lastly, tight end, just another guy to help out with the blocking with the line. Yeah, um, this is probably the first team in a while that I've really disagreed with you on. I do not think they have many needs. I think the offensive line is a major spot of need. 
it's been something that's derailed them for a few years. I mentioned specifically left guard, center, and right tackle. I think Dwayne Brown, who they just signed to a big contract, and then DJ Fluker at that right tackle spot are both DC players. But their right tackle spot is a mess. The center, and they have Justin Britt and BJ Finney, who are okay. They can probably stay there and be content. Left guard, they probably should upgrade as well. They signed Chance Warmack, who was a former top 10 pick from Alabama. Tennessee drafted him and let him go. Didn't even offer him a fifth year, that fifth year of his contract, and let him go. He's that kind of, you're hoping he can make it with a new team and new scheme, but I'm not positive on that one. Other than that, I mentioned, I agree with you that the defensive line probably needs some fixing, especially in the, they have Bruce Irvin and Jerron Reed. LJ Collier is a younger guy who they're hoping to develop, and they're missing really another guy on that interior. Other than that, I like their team. I think their linebacker core with Wright and Wagner is solid. You also have Shaquem Griffin, who was a great story coming out of college, having no, having uh, only fit, ha- he only has one hand. And then there's, I think their secondary is fine. I think they have Trey Flowers. They got Shaquem's brother Shaquille Griffin, who came kind of came into his own last year. Quinton Dunbar is a nice third cornerback, and then your safeties. You got. Quandre Diggs, who they just signed from, or they got from Detroit, and then you have Brad McDougal and Tedrick Thompson. I think they have a decent amount of depth in that secondary. Well, secondary wasn't exactly where I was emphasizing. I was more emphasizing the run defense and not being able to apply any pressure at all, really, on the quarterback. Yeah, they certainly need the... Fit, get it? That's why I mentioned defensive line. I think they need a guy who can do pass, which is funny because, as we talked about before the pod, and we're going to discuss a little bit now, that they had Jadavion Clowney, and now he's the was expected to be one of the top free agency signings, but he's still out there. And although they are somewhat limited with their cap space, I think they should really try to resign him, even if it's not only Clowney left. too. Um, I don't think Ziggy Ansah has signed either. No, he hasn't, but I wouldn't value Ziggy Ansa nearly as high. He had that one really good year with Detroit a couple years ago, but he's dealt with injuries, inconsistencies. Javian Clowney is much more is a much more physically gifted, much more talented player, has more success in the NFL. And for him, it's really just he has some injury concerns, which is probably why they're holding him up, because they're currently unable to do much in terms of evaluating guys with injury. But get him back, and then address the offensive line. That was kind of my note that their first, second, and third need are just that offensive line. They need to fix it desperately. If you give Russell Wilson... Russell Wilson doesn't really even need time in the pocket. He's kind of a magician. But if you give that man time in the pocket, your offense is going to look so much better. Your wide receivers... I thought they were okay wide receiver with Lockett and Metcalf. Could they get a third guy? Sure, but probably won't take one in the first two rounds. Tight end, they have a nice hodgepodge. They signed Greg Olson this offseason. Will Disley's coming off a torn ACL, but he should be back somewhat sometime during the season. And then they also have Ed Dixon and Luke Wilson, who are both good, solid second tight ends. But you're hoping Olson, who can kind of do everything, and then one of those other three kind of on top of him can supply enough sufficient skill and proficiency and receiving and blocking chops. So who do you have them picking first at the 29th pick? All right, 27. So 
it's not a, in terms of offensive line. It's not the best spot for them. I mentioned a couple guys. The offensive guys I mentioned were Josh Jones from Houston and Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Josh Jones being a tackle, Ruiz being a guard slash center. Both of them we've talked about at frequent enough, and we've probably got into their skill sets enough. And like we've already just mentioned, they need guys on the offensive line, whichever one they prefer. Other guys would be on that defensive line. Ross Blacklock, who they probably could wait on a little bit. And then Neville Gallimore and Zach Bond. Just a couple of different guys who can either play the interior of the offensive line or play more on the edge and rush. But just fixing their trenches, really. And I think all my, I mean, all my picks have to do with either the offensive line or the defensive line. So for me, I had them picking Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. You think he's fallen this far to 27? I think I think he'd fall this far just because there's so many players ahead of them. There are many teams that are looking at other linebackers or corn like other there are other skill players that he will probably he could probably drop to the twenties at least. And then it's a team by team basis to the to the Seahawks. I feel like I've seen him as the second best defensive tackle behind Derek Brown, or even some teams feeling like he's number one. Well, the thing is, not a lot of teams are looking at defensive tackle for their first need to, to draft in the first round. Yeah, I guess so. But you think that at least another team ahead of them would be looking at it. And if he's not available, I also had Josh Jones as well from Houston, who you've mentioned as well. I think he's definitely more fitting at this time. I'm just looking and, that uh, Williams Hill Sportsbook has Kinlaw, the over-under draft position at 13.5. And a lot of that has to do with the 49ers being a team who seems interested in him. And the fact that they let Buckner go will probably be looking for a replacement, which we're going to get into the 49ers in a little bit. Or, yeah, we'll get into the 49ers a little bit. And if they want to replace and just replace uh, Buckner and just add another young first-round guy, probably could take Kinlaw or Brown if he's available. And, yeah, as a third, like, wild card, but not... Too far stretched out. I also see them picking possibly Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State. Mm-hmm. Especially where if they end up with... Oh, he's an edge. He's a DE on the edge. Um, from Penn State. We've talked about him. Yeah. So it depends what happens with Clowney and Ansa. If they keep one, let the other go. If they keep Clowney, they might look at uh, letting Ansa go and just draft someone like um, Gross Matos. Might yeah, be a I reach in the first round. I don't think so. I think he would be a good pick in this spot. I think him and Clowney would be a nice duo to have on the edge together. Don't really. It's a good move. Good pick. I actually like that one a lot. Um, I guess I'll move straight on to their second round pick. So 59-64. 59, I said uh, Prince Haga, who we've talked about from Auburn, right tackle. Detain Moody from Gar... From Francisco State, he's a guard. And then Julian Aquara, defensive end from Notre Dame, pass rusher outside, or defensive end. 64, Damian Lewis, guard from LSU. Austin Jackson, right tackle from USC. or And Lucas Niang, tackle from TCU. Once again, just banging out the offensive line. If they said take someone like Ruiz at center, Moody at guard, and Niang at tackle, you've just filled three players on your offensive line. And then... It really just shows, one, Russell Wilson, that you're looking to protect him, and just 
the offense is going to try to take a step forward and contributing three solid offensive linemen in your first three picks, I don't think is a bad move for them. So I had with the 59th pick was Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Also fits the mold of a right tackle. I think Got a, a earlier. He he, I he's an interesting one. I've actually been seeing recently that he's gonna be. Um, yeah, I see him. I've seen him in the early fifties, which I guess you know, with if the difference between fifty two and fifty nine is seemingly not that much, but there are definitely a few teams within this range who need a left tackle or a right tackle, and including him there would probably it's a good idea. I just if you and if he's there fifty nine, good pick. It's just you never know if he will fall there. I think he will be taken by one of those tackle needy teams early on in the fifties or even in the forties. Yeah, and then I had a few players for the other pick. I had the Shane Lemieux from Oregon guard. I had I had a few players here. Um, him from Oregon. Uh, potentially Darrell Taylor from Tennessee as well, in case they don't end up drafting um, from Penn State, Gross Matos. Gross Matos. Matos. If they are going to be looking at an edge later on and not early, Darrell Taylor would be a good option, or possibly Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Yeah, I'm, I do like that you went you kind of followed my method of just mentioning a few guys. I feel like we're kind of in that similar range. It's just guys that we feel might be available at that point. All of them are on that similar guard or tackle or even a defensive end guy. You had I mentioned Aquari. He could go here. He could go earlier, which would leave them really without a strong defensive end. And in my 101st pick, I didn't even include the defense. Or I did actually mention the defensive line. But on the offensive line, a guy that you just talked about with the Rams, Trey Adams, if he falls to them at 101, he could be a guy for them here. Also, Matt Pert from UConn, another tackle. And then Davon Hamilton, defensive tackle from Ohio State. He'd be, if they want to, if they've taken the first three picks offense and they want to switch to defense, put him on that interior. He's a big, beefy guy who has surprising good pass rush and would not, although he's not obviously going to get you seven, eight sacks, he can at least create enough pressure on that interior and help whoever you have on the outside, make it a little life a little easier for them. I agree. I had Trey Adams as well as my actual pick at 101. Yeah, he's a good fit for them. They definitely need that right tackle spot fixed sorely. And fitting him in here, he's probably a little too... I mean, he's part, he's a great pick for them at 101. If he if he's there, you said he might be in the 80s or 90s. If he's there at 101 at the end of the third round, you would be happy if you're Seattle. Especially if you've already taken one or two defensive guys at this point, and you're just hoping you still need to fix that offensive line, it would be a good pick. How do you feel about the Seahawks? I think the Seahawks are a good position. I mean, this division's just a very good division. I They're four teams deep. I think we just talked about the division had Super Bowl-making teams, the Rams in 2018, and they're probably the worst team in the division. And the Cardinals, or not the Cardinals, the 49ers, made it this past year and kept pretty much all their core. Seattle is a perennial playoff contender. And then this team, the Arizona Cardinals, are looking like that young up-and-coming team. Well, I'm actually very... I'm just excited to watch them. I think they're going to be a fun team at the least, even if they're not necessarily translating to winning games. 
just having the second year of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury together, I am extremely excited for. I mean, last year they were so much fun to watch, regardless if they were winning. They held so many teams close in their division, even pulling off wins yeah, against some of them. Yeah, they were a sneakily competitive team, at least keeping close in a lot of games, like you mentioned, even if they weren't pulling them out. And they should be even better this year. You, Like I said, another year of development. And then they were able to snatch DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans for only a second-round pick. So this year they only have a first and a third in the first two days. But I would say their best move has already been made, getting, especially for Kyler Murray in that offense, just adding that clear number one wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You really, it takes out the worry of having to find one in the draft. Although there are plenty of great, great wide receivers that we talked about, the value is there for Hopkins, unlike maybe with Stephon Diggs, where you feel like with their first round pick, the Bills could have just found a guy. I think at eight. You still have your your first pick at eight, and now you can address other needs besides wide receiver because that probably would have been their most pressing need without Hopkins. Now with him, you're not necessarily set there. I think they could even go for one later on, but at least you're set at number one. What needs do you have for them? I have three kind of needs in general, but tight end being one of them, that's really the only one of skill position. And then similar to the Seahawks, I think offensive line, major need for them. That was a big weak point for them last year, and they didn't really do too much to improve on it. And then the defensive line as well. They were a team that hasn't generated a lot of pass rush for, honestly, a couple years at this point. And having another, having just a couple guys there to fill in would be nice. They really, that offensive line is, or defensive line really just does not have anything. You have Chandler Jones, who's a good pass rusher, but he's more of that, edge outside linebacker guy to have guys in your front four they really need to fix it up there and their offensive line is just not great really honestly to any position they can any if they draft someone for any of their five positions the offensive line they're probably getting an upgrade in the first couple rounds i i agree i had their first major need and the offensive line pretty much all of it as well and when i was making my notes i noticed that while chandler jones yeah he's a really solid linebacker there is potential to draft someone, once we mention uh, potential picks, that could be perfect to complement him if they choose to go that way. And their defensive line as well. They can use some help. Yeah, I don't, at least in that, in 72, I have a couple guys, I guess, that can work there. But I mostly address potential guys on the offensive line. You want to tell me who you have at eight? So I actually was between three guys, and I'll tell you which one I pick after I tell you the three names. Of whichever one's available, also whichever one's available at this point, too, is perfectly fine. Between Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, um, Tristan Wirfs, and Derek Brown. And I'll say I have two of those guys as potentials for me. Oh, as well as uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. I guess three, then. (laughs) And if Simmons has been drafted at this point before him, if Simmons is available, I think they would go for him. Otherwise, I picked Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Yeah, he. I kind of... Well, Isaiah Simmons I didn't even mention because I do think he'll be gone by then. And although I didn't put linebackers in need, he's so good. If he's around at eight, either you're the Cardinals and you're taking him, or you know you have an immensely valuable pick and you're trading back. There's no reason if Isaiah Simmons is there, you're taking someone other than him. He's just... He's too good. Yeah, and I don't know uh, if you, how much you watched there. Alabama... I don't know how much you watched Alabama last season, but Wills was probably the most dominant run blocker on that team. 
Yeah, I think Wills is a great player. I just I think Isaiah Simmons is maybe the third or fourth most talented player in this entire draft. And if you're getting that value of getting him at eight, it's just you can't miss out. You can't. No, exactly. I do. Like I said, I mentioned Jedrick Wills. So I what I've kind of done, if you haven't noticed, kind of as a theme for this point, I just kind of grouped together the top four left tackles of Wills, Worfs, um, who's Georgia's left tackle. Isaiah Wilson. Um, Isaiah Wilson. And Mackay Beckton. Those four I've really just all lumped together. And whichever one's available at this point or whichever one they like the best, I'd say take one of those. And then the other guy would be Derek Brown. Because I know. We oh, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Dick. Thomas was the other name. Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Wilson would be their right tackle. But yeah, Andrew Thomas, Mackay Beckton, Jedrick Wills, and Andrew Wurz. I'd say whichever guy's left out of any of that group who they like the best. And then Derek Brown, who we talked about defensive tackle not really being a need for that many teams, but I saw we kind of mentioned that the Cardinals are a team of need there. And if they, for some reason, want to go with the defense first, he's a great player and could fit in nicely and cover up. You're just set on the interior defensive line at that point. I have a question for you. Okay. If they didn't trade for DeAndre Hopkins, do you see them drafting C.D. Lamb? Yeah, probably. I think he would have been the guy in this spot for them at eight. If they Especially with his connection with Murray from Oklahoma. Yeah, having a couple Oklahoma guys together, I think he'd fit the team well. He's similar to Christian Kirk, but I don't think they're super thrilled with how Christian Kirk's developed at this point. It'll be his third year this year, and you need a guy who will be... I think Judy is similar, more similar to Hopkins in his play and how you kind of want it, but I think they would go with the connection with Tyler Lamb and take Lamb at eight. But now, like I said, they don't have to do it. They didn't have to give up a first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> which, like, they, they're going to probably take a left tackle. And Thanks, not, Bill. And take Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown. They, don't, they really did a good job for themselves. <laughs> There's no one that, despite you might have to re-sign DeAndre Hopkins, even though he has three years left on his contract, he's probably looking to restructure it. So even if you're paying him $16 million a year, it's, you're in a very good position. I'd much rather have him than anyone you're probably getting in the second round. And because of that, we can skip over the second round and move straight to that 70, 70, 72nd pick. Do you want to give me who you have? I have a bunch of possible names here, but I'll let you go. I had, I actually had one clear favorite pick for me at this position at for this pick because I feel like he's going to be available here. Um, Calvin Throckmorton, left tackle from Oregon. I don't know too much about him. Tell me more. He was consistent on that Oregon line, one of the uh, top um, pass protectors in the Pac-12 last season. Has good hands. He's really strong. Not as dominant as the four guys we mentioned in the first round, but good enough that he gets the job done, and he will definitely be nice to have on the other side of whoever it is between Wills or Andrew Thomas or any of those other guys on the other, on the other tackle. He'd be a good complimentary yeah. pick. He would be. I guess I didn't look at offensive... I have one guy in offensive tackle. The one guy I have on right tackle would be Jack Driscoll from Auburn. Well, I don't know if we've really talked about him either, but he could be a nice fit over here for them and would be some quality offensive line talent in that third round. A couple other offensive line guys. Lloyd Cushenberry, who I feel like we've mentioned a lot. He's a solid guard slash center. And then Tyler Biadas from Wisconsin can also play guard or center. I think Cushenberry will probably play guard and Biadas center in the league. 
That would you agree on that? I would, yeah. And then a couple of other guys on the defensive line, Bradley and Nate from Utah, and Jabari Zuniga from Florida, who we had a nice conversation on a couple of episodes back. Yeah. Really there's a lot of sneakily a lot of talent in that set around in that seventies spot that they could snag any of these guys. And I think all of them would be nice fits for both need and just one of the better players available. And they have a lot of potential to really either be a huge threat in the division next season or contender the years after. Yeah, I, they probably still need to address the offensive line even further after this draft, considering they only have two picks in the first three rounds. Even if they take a guy, one with a left tackle at eight and a right tackle at 32, they need a guard in the free agency or somewhere else. There's still another probably piece or two away on that offensive line to be solid enough that you're a contender for years to come. And you're just hoping that it's not a detriment enough and the guys that they draft at this point can be immediate plug and plays and are successful. Because if they are, you really are looking at a team who's rising on the up. Well, a couple of these teams might be coming down the next couple of years. And it's really just an exciting division. But the team that has the crown right now, last but not least, the San Francisco 49ers, led by the handsome man, Jimmy Garoppolo. Reigning NFC champions. Reigning NFC West and NFC champions. They have two picks in the first round, none in the second, none in the third. Their extra first round pick came from the DeForest Buckner trade with the Indianapolis Colts, which was 13th overall. And then they have their own pick at 31st overall. For needs, I didn't have too many. I mean, this is a team, like we said, just went to the Super Bowl and looked like arguably one of the top two teams in the league pretty much all year. They still need probably a wide receiver. They never really figured that situation out last year, and they traded for Emmanuel Sanders, but then let him go. I would say they're going to look for another wide receiver to try to replace him because the rest of their guys have unfortunately not really developed. They got guys like Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis, but none of them have really sprung out to be a star-studded guy for them. And then they have lower guys like Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne. Also, I said guard, specifically right guard. They could probably fill in a need. Their tackles are both really solid. Western Richburg's a really good center. Ben Garland's your backup. And you have Lakin Tomlinson, who is a former line at left guard. Either of those could play guard, but then your right guard spot is really just the spot they could probably fill. And then on defense, I said cornerback. They have Richard Sherman. And then Emmanuel Mosley showed promise in the playoffs last year, but Akel Witherspoon, who was their starter for most of the year, is just not necessarily a serviceable guy. And then Sherman's also older, and even though he was incredible his past year, I think out of anyone on this defense, he's the guy that's most likely to regress, and having some insurance for him would probably be nice. I'm with you on the defensive side that they need to look at their secondary more. I had cornerback and safety as well. And then offensively, really, it really was mostly wide receiver. Like like we said, there was they just went to the Super Bowl. They're not... They were one, they were the best team in the NFC last season by making the Super Bowl, and they have a solid they have Garoppolo quarterback and a solid running back crew that I you might question maybe you might consider drafting a quarterback but not in the early uh, a running back in the early round not not in the early rounds but in the later rounds but I think you're they okay have too many options that it's they I think they're okay because you they had four guys last year. 
and but that's not even including Jarek McKinnon, who should be back and healthy this year. Their backfields, their running back crew is just very crowded. Of course, you can just have another get a fifth, sixth round guy like Matt Burrito was, and why not? Or Raheem Mostert. Both of those were late round guys who have been very successful for them. You just expect that they already have so many players there. It's just kind of, you're redundant. But I guess why not? They also have so few needs. But which one do you think they're going to address first? Wide receiver or cornerback? Wide receiver. Especially with their the 13th pick. Yep. They are the biggest beneficiary of them and the, as we kind of talked about, the Raiders. Well, I think they're probably the biggest beneficiary of um, the Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins because now they're likely to get they might get one of the top two guys or they can if they're okay with not getting Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb Henry Ruggs is gonna be waiting there for them that's essentially or if, how I had this pick I had whoever is available at this point between Ruggs Judy Lamb even Jefferson yeah. too but that one is a reach but yeah I figure It'll probably expect the order to be something like because 11, 12, 13 are all the Jets, the Raiders, and Niners all need a receiver. So they're going to get whichever one the other two likely don't pick unless one of them surprises us before them. So they're going to be stuck whichever one's left. I think they're going to be okay with any of them. I mentioned one other guy, CJ Henderson, cornerback from Florida. Very good player. And if for whatever reason, if none of those running backs are there and they want to stick at 13, they can take him. If not, I would probably. If they can't get one of those three guys, if someone happens to take a wide receiver in the top 10 and then Judy and then the other two are gone by 13, they could take Justin Jefferson here. I think it'd be more wise to try to even trade back, add maybe a second or third rounder and trade back into that 19-20 spot. I don't know who necessarily, maybe the Dolphins they could find as a trade partner. They can also possibly look at Xavier McKinney from Alabama as well. We want to look at the secondary and the safety positions. Yeah, I like I, said, I didn't. I have cornerback and not safety, so I wouldn't necessarily look at McKinney. And I think Henderson's probably the best, the second best cornerback besides Jeff Okuda, who's going much earlier, which would leave Henderson as the best one left. And for thirty-one, I listed just a bunch of guys. I did a similar thing of where I just kind of I went with those two positions, and I just I went with I have five potential guys at receiver and three potential guys at cornerback. You want to just tell me who you have first? I had um, a mix between two guys. If First of all, I still feel that maybe secondary in the safety position could be looked at if Grant Delpit is available at 31, possibly. And if that's if he's obviously taken before then, um, most likely I see them taking Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State cornerback, which we've mentioned him in a few episodes already. You think he's going this early? Well, they don't have any second or third round picks. I mean, yeah, but I have a few other cornerback guys who I think both of us would value a lot higher than Dantzler going potentially a 31. For example, I mean, maybe you've had them picked already. A couple of guys that I mentioned were Travion Diggs from Alabama, AJ Terrell from Clemson, or Jeff Gladney from TCU. If any of them are available, I'd probably rather have him over Dantzler at 31. Yeah, it was just a mix of those na- those names were good. I felt that Dantzler is in that same tier as those guys, if not at least better than um, um, the one from TCU. Gladney. Gladney. I felt that he's definitely in that tier with them. And I think that his for his size, he'd be definitely useful for any of the deep threats that they have to deal with. 
and especially good insurance for Richard Sherman as well. Yeah, I guess agree to disagree there. I see him at least a tier below those guys. Maybe with that, like, I see him as that, like, later second round pick probably. That's probably where I'd see Dantzler's more of a fit. I think especially Gladney you can put in kind of that mid-second round, but I think Diggs and Terrell are a step above. I think both of them would be good. And then you want me to just go through all the potential receivers? Yeah. No guys that we have not mentioned before. I said Jalen Rieger, then Jalen Rieger from TCU also, Denzel Mims from Baylor, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, T. Higgins from Clemson, or your boy Justin Jefferson, who he probably won't be there, and probably at least one of those other four guys will not be there at 31. But why not take another receiver? Even if you, you want to take a cornerback or a safety, also fine. I just, there's so many good receivers, and 31 is such a nice spot for another receiver. And at that point, you're just, you're loading up. You're not worrying that one of the guys that you currently have is going to become a good wide receiver. You're just giving yourself two chances at a, either two chances at a number one receiver, or you get a number one and number two receiver. And then Marquise Goodwin, who's an Olympic runner, is your third wide receiver. And then you also have George Kittle, who's a great receiving tight end. And a great, uh, yeah, he's pretty much great, great all around. End, but he's just a great tight yeah, end, yeah. <laughs> yes, but in terms of just, we were looking, I was mentioning their need for pass catchers, and he's doing that already for his view as well. So if you get rugs, you probably would look at Ayuk at that point, I think, or Denzel He's Mims a potential. And if you get a guy like, if you happen to fall Jerry Judy, then you might take a Jalen Rieger or a T. Higgins. It really depends on what you're looking for, but if you want guys with different style, that's probably what you're going to do. If you want to go with the Chiefs kind of style, you go with Jalen Rieger and Henry Ruggs and just, and you throw him, those two and Marquise Goodwin and just have them all run deep. <laughs> Jeez. That would compete with the Chiefs for fastest wide receiving core for sure. Well, see, they also have this luxury of, because their team is so well-rounded, they can afford to just trade down and build up more draft picks in the second and third round using this pick, if they're happy with who they have. Of course, and I also mentioned they could do that 31, they can do that 13. I said if one of those top, if they want a receiver and they can't get a receiver at 13, trade down. I just mentioned five potential guys you can get 31. You could even reach on one of those that, like I said, nineteen get Justin Jefferson at nineteen, and then take Jalen Rieger or Denzel Mims at thirty-one, and you still have two really good wide receivers. They you see them making the Super Bowl again? Um, unfortunately, no. As much as I love the 49ers, it's just it's hard to go to the Super Bowl back to back years. Is there too many potential either windfalls for them, or just any team to just show up and beat them? You never know, and there's just too many good teams in the NFL. And still a lot of things, we're looking at potential moves in the draft, and then you also have to consider all the free agency moves, and we're going to talk about that in once we're done with the draft, we'll kind of have a composite, how we're feeling on the outlooks of a bunch of the teams, who we feel maybe won or lost as an overall roster construction but at, between free agency and the draft, and the 49ers, they're in a good position. I think they did well, Get it. they re-signed Armstead, giving up Buckner Hurts but you've got another first-round pick in return, which you can fill another, or a greater need, really. And I think that's just that's a smart move, where although you're still keeping yourself in contention, but you're also just giving yourself new players and fresher players and younger players and cheaper players, really, is the key. Dark horses? 
I mean, the dark horse in this division is the Cardinals. Because I think the other three are... I think the Rams are kind of a tier, uh, tier back of the rest of the division. The 49ers clearly are the top team. We mentioned that the Seahawks are the contender. And the Cardinals are the only team who really seems to be lagging behind, but has a lot of talent that they can try to sneak up with this year if some of those close losses turn into wins. I agree. Especially with the cap status with the Rams, which I don't understand how they have so much cap with all the plays they keep getting. Well, the issue is they're, they're paying a lot of money for Goff. They're paying a lot of money for Ramsey. They're paying a lot of money for Donald. They really they still need to pay Gurley and Matthews, though. too. And Cooks. And Cooks. Or at least they have dead cap for Cooks. But, no, that's the issue. They don't really have a lot. They, can't, they don't have any upward mobility on this team. You're really just hoping that the guys they have can revert or return back to that 2018 form, which I am just, I'm skeptical. And I like the Rams. I'm a, I was, I mean, I was wildly rooting for them in 2018, mostly in the whole season, but especially in the Super Bowl. But I think 90% of the country was. Sorry. I'm okay. Uh, the results, how it ended is I'm, I'm fine with it. That's true. <laughs> uh, you got anything else about this division? I think it might be the best one in football. Remember the days when the Seahawks won a division with a losing record? That's, yeah, it seems like forever ago, but it was Beast Mode year. That was 2010? 2010, yeah. A little early. Yeah, a, a decade ago, the Seahawks won the division with a losing record, and I think this year this division has a potential to have four winning record teams. That's all for me. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Sammy, as always. Thanks for having me. And thank you for all for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to us, download our episodes, review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening, five stars, and continue listening for later episodes. Coming up on our next episode will be the NFC East.